talk about today is what can you do individually? What can you do personally to overcome some of the things in your life that are, are a consistent or constant struggle, areas of sin that you may struggle with, may have struggled with, may be in your family line? What do you do? How can you deal with it? Is the, it's, what I mean by that is that the only answer is not just going before someone else and confessing your sins and having them pray for you, but there's things that you can do personally, and I'm going to share that with you today. Has anybody here been to the Outer Banks or to Myrtle Beach or to the places along the shore where they build those houses on stilts, on poles? They, they, I watched some of them in construction. They bore a hole down into the sand, and then they, or I guess they don't really bore a hole. They just drive the thing down into the sand. Just pound it down, pound it, boom, boom, boom. I remember hearing that too, boom, 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 boom. And they have, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 of those things that they build the house on top of so that if the tide rises, the house doesn't get swamped and flooded. And so all the houses along the shore are on these stilts. People have asked, when I come to Jesus and trust him as my Savior, and I'm saved, and I'm born into the kingdom of God, I become a child of God, why doesn't he just get rid of all that junk in my life? Why doesn't he just, like, zap me, you know, zap me? That's kind of, I wish he would zap me sometimes and just, you know, make everything perfect and make all my responses right. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't work that way, does it? We're kind of like those houses that are built on those posts, we have thoughts, ideas, concepts, beliefs that really make up who we are. Some of those are truths and some of them are lies. We really do, if we really examined our thought process and the things that we believe sometimes, we believe lies. We believe lies about ourselves. We often confess those lies. We say, oh, I'm just this, I'm just that, I'm, you know, whatever, I'm, I can't do this, I can't do that. One of my most famous lines when I was a little kid was, I can't, I can't. And he said, my dad would want to, he, he would say he wanted to wring my neck. He never did. But he used to say, don't say you can't, don't say you can't, don't say you can't. But I would say that all the time. And it was like an excuse, you know? And so anyway, you can carry some of that stuff and there can be these thoughts in your, in your life, there can be these attitudes that you have that are not consistent with God's word. And yet they're actually, they actually make up who you are. So I want you to think about your life compared to one of these houses with these posts. If God came along and just wiped out all the posts that were wrong, what happens to that house? It becomes very unstable, doesn't it? And so you can't change everything at once or we might collapse our personality or who we are, we may collapse. So God knows, the Holy Spirit knows how to come and deal with the individual posts one at a time to restructure, reform, to replace or renew ideas. And so the, 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 the way that he works is that he'll choose one particular area. And here's, here's what needs to happen. Let's suppose that you have, as part of your thinking and part of your life, a behavior of pick something. Grumbling and complaining. Let's just say that that's part of your family history of just always seeing the negative. Anybody ever have problems just always seeing negative? You don't have to raise your hand. 
Unfortunately, a lot of us have that issue. We just we always see the negative, and we don't see what God's doing. We don't see the positive. Well, that's a real problem because as Christians and as believers in God, we should have the most positive outlook on life that could possibly, anybody could possibly have because we have confidence in our God. So what needs to happen is that lie of seeing life from a negative perspective needs to change. What needs to be put in place there is the truth of God's Word, truths that that God works all things together for good to those that love him, that are called according to his purpose. So it doesn't matter what happens. If it looks negative, God is able to turn it around and change it into something positive. So let's just say that that support structure that's there, part of our personality, is negative. God needs to reorient our thinking. The Holy Spirit comes to reorient our thinking so that we're not negative, but we're positive. Does that happen overnight? No, it takes time. It takes time. God could change it overnight. But there's a reason that he allows it to be a process. And so that's what we want to talk about. <clears throat> we, we discussed the verse earlier, and it's Second um, Chronicles 7, 7, chapter 14, which is, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And this is the verse that we often use to talk about revival. And I mentioned this before, but I just want to make a point about this and maybe reinforce it a little bit more strongly. This verse came up in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, which was the time when Solomon was dedicating the temple in Jerusalem. Remember, David wanted to build a temple, and God wouldn't allow him to because he was a man of bloodshed, but he said, your son Solomon will build the temple. And so David had all the materials ready. Solomon took years to build the temple. It was finally finished. He consecrated the priests. They consecrated the temple, and Solomon prayed to the Lord. He said, Lord, we've built this magnificent building for you and for your presence to come. Would you please help us in the future when we turn away and realize that we've turned away? Would you hear our prayers and come and help us and rescue us? And then God says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and, he, and that's where that prayer comes from. But the verse that I like to use is Leviticus chapter 26, the verses 39 to 42. Those of you who are left will waste away in the lands of their enemies because of their sins, also because of their ancestors' sins, they will waste away. But if they will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness and their hostility toward me, which made me hostile toward them, so that I sent them into the land of their enemies. Then when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin, I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. This verse, or these verses, were given by Moses in the law. It was in the Torah. It was the foundation of the understanding of God that Moses gave to the people. So this precedes the prayer that, that came to Solomon. You understand what I'm saying? So I think that Solomon's prayer and that part about confessing your sin actually refers back to this. Confessing your sins and the sins of your ancestors. This is the, this is the, the first one that comes along that actually talks about those kinds of things. And see, many times we just confess our sins, but if we don't understand that there can be a generational aspect to things, then we miss that, and then, then the healing that we are looking for isn't as complete. 
because God wants us to take responsibility not only for our sin, but for the sin of our ancestors. And so I just wanted to point that out. Not that I don't think that other verse is any good. I love that other verse. You know, anytime we talk about humbling ourselves and and turning from our wicked ways so that God heals the land, that's really important. But I'm just saying that this, this is an important aspect to all of that, that we will... Um, confess not only our own sins, but the sins of our ancestors. Now, I, again, I want to talk about the, uh, the word land. In, in Hebrew, which is the verse that we, we just had up. You can put that up again, Crystal. Thanks. I remember the land. It's a, a, a Hebrew word that is, sounds like this, Tourette's. Tourette's, well, what does that mean? Well, it's terrestrial. It almost sounds like where we get our word terrestrial from. Um, We know that the Greek word, don't give the devil a place, don't give him a foothold, is topos, which is uh, the root word for topography. Understand that the pictures in the Old Testament are physical pictures giving a descriptive understanding of spiritual concepts in the New Testament. So when this says land, and then the New Testament says, don't give the devil a foothold, don't be angry, don't give the devil a foothold, don't give him a place, don't give him land, don't give him topography, don't give him a place. He's really talking about our soul. Now think about this for a minute. If we think about land, how did God form Adam? The dust of the ground. So what are we? Just an extension of land, <laughs> aren't we? I mean, we're, we're land, we're, we're ground, we're, we're made from the stuff of the earth. And so you see the kind of play on words and pictures that we have here that God will heal. I will, I will remember the land, and in Second Chronicles, I will heal the land. What he's saying is, I'm going to get rid of the defilement in the land. When you turn to me and repent, when you confess your sins and the sins of your ancestors, I will remember the land, I will heal the land, I will get rid of the defilement that's in the land, I will remove the enemies from the land. So the spiritual application in the New Testament is that when we confess, when we humble ourselves, confess our sins and the sins of our ancestors, that he heals this land. He heals us. He sets us free. He deals with the defilements and removes them. Okay? That's just the picture that I wanted to make sure that we, that we grab and get a hold of. <clears throat> okay. Now let me get into this. Uh, <clears throat> let's suppose, now let's, deal, let's get more specific And what can you do to deal with these, these things. And the way that we've taught people to um, deal with areas of behavior in their own lives, apart from going to a ministry like Cleansing Stream or, or apart from coming to a place where we would do prayer counseling with you, where we sit down with you and go through things that you're dealing with and then pray with you and help walk you through a, a prayer of confession and renunciation. Um, we encourage people to confess. Now, let's just take something, for example. Let's just say 
uh, inordinate fears, things that um, we worry about. We worry about things that we shouldn't worry about because we know that we're in God's hands. And so the Bible says, don't fear, we fear. So what do you do? If you, if you understand and recognize that you have an issue with fear, how do you deal with it? What's the way to deal with it? Well, it's to begin to confess it. Come to the Lord and say, Lord, I confess fear as sin. And if you have issues with fear and they come up regularly, then then I would be preemptive and I would tell you to pray when you get up in the morning. Don't wait till you're fearful. Okay? Don't wait till it comes on you. Just say, Lord, I confess that I've given in to fear. I give in to fear and I break any generational ties of fear that are coming to me through my family. I, re- I remove any uh, claim that the enemy has on me and my life because of the family bloodline and the fear that has gone on in my past generations. I renounce that fear. I call it sin. I claim back that ground or that territory from the enemy. I don't allow him to have it anymore. So I reclaim that ground. I take it back. And I cover it with the blood of Jesus. Now that might seem like a lot, but once you get a hold of that and begin to do that, you'll understand that it it flows a lot more easily. You confess it. You confess ancestral sin. If it's, a, if it's in your family, maybe you don't know whether it's in your family or not. One thing that we didn't touch on was adoption. What do you do with adoption if you adopt children and you don't know what their past generation? Well, you look for things, and if certain behaviors show up, then you break those ties. You just assume that they're there if they if they show up. But anyway, you confess the sin, you confess it, the sins of your ancestors, you break the enemy's legal claim to influence you with fear generationally. You claim back that ground from the enemy, you renounce it, and you cover it with the blood of Jesus. Now, understand something. All of this, I'm giving you suggestions. There is not necessarily a set pattern or um, method or this is how you do it and this works first time, all the time, every time. We are in relationship with a Father who loves us and who is at work in us. And He's given us some principles to follow, but we always need to be sensitive to His leading and how he would tell us to deal with things. I'm giving you suggestions that you can follow. What confession does on my part? Well, how about this? How many times are you about to deal with some issues in your life and really, you're not really that anxious to give them up? You know it's wrong, right? You know it's wrong, but... Really, you, they're like your best friends. <laughs> right? I mean, there can be those times, those issues that we have, and it's like, you know what? I like to tell people off when they give me a hard time. And I'm not going to, I'm not, I just, there's times I just don't want to be loving. Wow, did that hit a nerve? <laughs> and so, you understand what I'm saying. We, we recognize things in our lives that aren't right, but we're no way are we ready to let go of them or to even to confront those issues because, hey, that's the way I am. 
that's just the way I am. Well, it's not the way Jesus is. Do we want to be like Jesus? So here's what happens. Let's say that you recognize something in your life, even fear. I kind of I like the fear. I kind of like worrying about things. I kind of like whatever. As I confess, as I daily confess, and every time it comes up, I confess, what begins to happen is that the Lord begins to break down the stronghold in me so that I begin to not want that in my life anymore. Do you hear what I'm saying? I recognized in my own life that there were things that were there that I wasn't really ready to deal with. And you're not going to get anywhere in overcoming things if you're not ready to deal with them. And so that's why confession we, we encourage people to confess those things, to confess, to confess, to confess, to confess. On a regular basis, every morning or whenever you think about whenever you happen to think about it, or whenever fear comes up or whatever the issue is, whenever it comes up, immediately confess. That's sin. Recognize it, that's sin. I confess that sin. I claim back that ground from the enemy, go through the whole routine, just deal with it. Just learn to deal with it. But as you confess... God will begin to tear down that stronghold in you and begin to change your thinking. What needs to happen is your thinking, your mindset needs to change toward that. Now, here's here's what we need to consider. I don't want to spend the rest of my life confessing something and claiming it and making it my own. I don't want to spend the rest of my life saying, Lord, I confess fear. I give in to fear, because what am I doing? I'm actually perpetuating it, right? I'm perpetuating, I'm fearful. So I need to be sensitive to when, I think when, when the Holy Spirit would prompt us to take the next step and to, to, over, to get past the confession and get to the place where we start positive confession, where I have not been given the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. And so what, what I suggest is even, even when you begin to confess fear is that you look for verses in Scripture that talk about not fearing. And you begin to recite those verses. You carry them, write them down in note cards. Write verses down in note cards. Put them in your back pocket or put them in your purse or have them with you or put them on the refrigerator or have them handy so that when you need them, you can pray them. So the best thing to do is to confess fear is sin, if, if it's fear, and then read those Scriptures. And when God begins to change your attitude toward fear, then the only time you need to confess fear is when you give in to it. But you continue to read the scriptures that talk about how God wants us to live with courage and with boldness and with confidence and with who he's made us to be. You understand what I'm saying? I know that, that there are programs... I remember, I remember my cousin sitting in our living room one time and he had this issue and he told us about it and he said I'm a recovering something or other because he had this problem and so for the rest of his life he's going to call himself a recovering I know they said a recovering alcoholic a recovering drug addict or... there comes a point in time when you've got to stop saying that or you'll always be a recovering alcoholic or a recovering because you're you're giving the enemy permission to keep you there because you're that's what you're confessing and so you understand what I'm saying so there comes a point where 
you only confess when the thought comes and you give in to it. But you've got to get to the point where you're willing to deal with it. So if you need to confess and confess and confess and confess until you're willing to deal with it, am I confusing anybody or do you understand where I am? Okay, good. So what begins to happen is this process where God will deal with one pillar at a time or maybe two. And what we're doing is we're changing the structure of that pillar from lies to truth. And what he's doing is he's strengthening our character in the middle of it all. He's causing us to walk through a process where we are becoming stronger in our faith and our trust and our confidence in him. He's building in us the power of his word and the power of his spirit so that we, when situations come, we react in a godly way, not in an ungodly way. We're so trained by our background, by our experiences, by the way we were raised, to respond to things a certain way. And what needs to happen is we need to begin to respond the way Jesus responds. And how does that happen? Through this process that I'm talking about of confession, but then really beginning to put the word in place. Confessing the word, memorizing the word. It's best if you memorize the word. And so, let me just say this about thoughts. Let's let's suppose that I've been confessing fear for a while and I'm beginning to realize that I'm overcoming. So I don't do it every morning. I wait until a thought comes to me to be fearful. Well... If you have an issue with fear, the enemy is always going to throw thoughts of fear into your head. Can I tell you that? He's always he's going to keep doing it. Okay? You haven't sinned yet just because the thought comes into your head. He's able to put thoughts into your head. But just because it comes into your head doesn't mean it's sin. It's if you begin to entertain that thought. And you play with it and you start to think, oh... Yeah, well, what if and what? That's when it becomes sin, when we, when we claim it and make it ours. But if a thought comes and we reject it, that's not sin. That's just dealing with it the way you need to deal with it, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just continue to, to memorize verses, recite verses that build me up and strengthen me in this area so that I overcome. And if a thought comes, I get rid of it. But if I entertain that thought and I start to feel anxious, about a situation that's coming. Then I realize that I've taken ownership of that. I need to confess it, renounce it, do all that stuff that I just said so that it goes away. And, and then just start reciting the verse and claiming that again. And standing on the truth. For some reason, God wants us to learn to fight. In Judges chapter 3, we looked at those verses a while back where it said that he left enemies in the land so that the generations that grew up in Israel that didn't know warfare would learn warfare. We are in a battle. And he wants us to learn to fight. But he's given us the tools to be victorious. He's given us the equipment to overcome. He's given us everything that we need to be able to defeat the enemy. And what's his purpose in that? Well, he wants us to be like Jesus. He wants the character and nature of Jesus in us. But more than that, 
He's raising up an army of people who have learned to overcome personally that can now go out and help other people overcome. See, he wants to spread this. He doesn't want this to, he doesn't do this just for me. He doesn't do it just for you. Your cleansing of the land of who you are is not just for you. Sure, it is for you, but it's not just for you. It's for the other people that God wants you to touch, to influence, to help, and to encourage. And so the freedom that I gain is intended to help others, and the freedom that you gain is intended eventually to help others. But if we decide that we just like to stay where we are, we won't be any help to anybody. And what we'll do is we'll add to the occupation, the occupation of the territory in people. So the question then becomes, are you willing to fight to see yourself free?